Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Mark. Hey, Dana. We are here today discussing lithium-ion battery manufacturing emissions, which is a note that can be found on the Bloomberg Terminal at BNFGo or at BNF.com. This particular research note is something I have been waiting for some time now. Several months back, I was test driving electric vehicles because I was thinking about buying one. And I, at the same time, was being teased pretty relentlessly, I might add, by a friend of mine. And he kept telling me that I was looking to buy a coal car. So like one of those cars that's converted from a gasoline to a coal-fired car? No, not at all. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Look it up on YouTube. Well, no. Actually, he meant that because an electric vehicle is actually plugged into the grid, and oftentimes you find coal in the grid, that that is ultimately what was powering it. There is really a lack of information out there regarding electric vehicles and their emissions when you're taking the battery manufacturing part into consideration. So this is BNEF's chance to clear everything up. And of course, all of this is taking place with air pollution in cities as a part of the backdrop. So what if electric vehicles are actually just moving the emissions elsewhere and they're not coming out of your tailpipe, but they're still polluting and have the greenhouse gases with them as well? Well, fortunately, we have James Frith, energy storage analyst, and Logan Goldie-Scott, who is the head of BNEF's energy storage team. They're going to tell us more about what is actually happening with battery emissions and hopefully demystify a bunch of this for us. Please note that BNEF does not provide investment or strategy advice, and you can hear a full disclaimer at the end of the show. James, Logan, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Dana. Thanks, Dana. So people that own electric vehicles, are they really doing right by the environment? Yeah, definitely. We found in this work that an electric vehicle produces about half the CO2 emissions over its lifetime compared to an internal combustion engine vehicle when you're looking at the same vehicle segments. Mm -hmm. And that's for vehicles produced and used in Germany. If you look at vehicles that are used on other grids in the world, actually those emissions drop massively. In Sweden, for example, where the electricity grid there produces about 16 grams of CO2 per kilowatt hour of energy produced. The lifetime emissions of an electric vehicle are about 53 times lower than that of a standard small internal combustion engine vehicle in Europe. Okay, let's unpack that just a bit. So you're saying that location matters for the lifetime emissions of these cars? Yes, certainly. For electric vehicles, it's so important. You have the emissions associated with vehicle manufacturing, with the battery manufacturing, and then crucially for electric vehicles with their use over the lifetime. So if you think about an electric vehicle, it charges from the grid. So those grid emissions have a big impact. Whereas for an internal combustion engine vehicle, you're using petrol or diesel. So it doesn't matter where in the world you are, those emissions are going to be the same. It's just going to change by whatever engine you're using. And so just to, just thinking about that use case and just to put some, put some numbers on it, if you're like on average, um, uh, emissions uh, from an electric vehicle will be around 40% lower than emissions from an internal combustion engine. But if you go to a country, if you're driving your car in China, for instance, which is uh, much more coal on the grid, that 40% is, is only around 17%. So location can be incredibly impactful. Now, is that just taking into consideration when you're actually using the vehicle and tailpipe emissions? Because in this note, you're really getting into a lot of parts of the supply chain and the manufacturing process. 
that 40%, what does it include? The 40% there, that's that's only when we're using the vehicle. The What stood out with this node was really um, how we could track from extraction of the raw materials all the way through to manufacturing, uh, manufacturing the components, uh, the logistics associated with that, and then manufacturing the batteries themselves. And uh, what we found overall is that even once you account for that, battery electric vehicles are better uh, from an emissions standpoint than their equivalent internal combustion engine. Let's isolate the manufacturing part since we've already talked about tailpipe emissions. In the manufacturing process of the battery, how big a part of the overall vehicle's life cycle emissions is this? It's actually a lot smaller than people think. So some people quote it being about 50% of the vehicle's lifetime emissions, but actually we found that it's closer to 10%. 10%'s not a ton, but definitely moves the needle. So what's the biggest input that's going to make the battery high or low from an emission standpoint? There's a couple of things to look at. So the chemistry that's being used has an impact, but also the conditions that you use during that manufacturing process. They can range hugely depending on what outcome you're trying to produce. If you want a high power cell, for example, as used in uh, hybrid electric vehicles, the emissions associated with that are larger than if you're using an energy cell as used in a battery electric vehicle. Oh, so the hybrid vehicles are actually, those batteries themselves are worse because you would think they're smaller. So therefore, from an emission standpoint, it's a win. You kind of touched on it there. They are smaller. So the total emissions from that is going to be less than for a battery electric vehicle. But if you look on it on a kilowatt hour basis, so a kilowatt hour of hybrid electric vehicle pack is more polluting than a kilowatt hour of battery electric vehicle pack. There are a lot of different battery pack types and, and compositions. So who's the biggest and who's the smallest in terms of emission size? So definitely the, the lowest polluting ones that we came across were lithium-ion phosphate-based batteries. And these are the type that are commonly used in electric buses, whereas the types that are used in electric vehicles are increasingly using more nickel in those batteries. And some of the emissions associated with extracting and processing nickel is quite high. So that increases the, the emissions of those batteries. So nickel's the worst offender in all of this? It's not great for it. Uh, there are some other considerations around aluminium and copper, but let's say nickel for the moment. And isn't nickel demand for the batteries growing? But it's replacing cobalt, right? Yeah, precisely. So there is more and more nickel going into these chemistries. So the emissions are increasing. But there's also work that's being done by the battery manufacturers to reduce those emissions, particularly in the manufacturing process. We're seeing companies like Northvolt, who are based in Sweden, they're trying to become a net zero emission manufacturer. Should I know Northvolt? They're a startup at the moment, okay. but they've been making big waves recently in the battery world. So they've signed a joint venture with, uh, with VW, and they recently secured a billion in funding from the European Investment Bank, amongst other people. And they're going to be Europe's first gigascale homegrown battery manufacturer. And based in Sweden because of the emissions? So their flagship plant will be based in Sweden, and it's those low emissions is one of the reasons why they chose to, to base the factory there. They're also going to have at least one more plant in Germany at the moment, and that'll be paired up with VW. 
Just on the previous point around looking at technologies and how they compare from an emission standpoint, it's just so important to look at company strategies as well. So um, automakers, battery manufacturers, they are all investing heavily in their supply chain sustainability. And um, so regardless of the technology of choice, actually we're seeing a huge amount of progress on this front, but it depends by company almost more than anything else. Why are they incented to care about sustainability? Is it from a PR and attracting consumer standpoint or more attracting uh, investor standpoint? I think probably more more of the latter. They're, they're looking at sustainability in order to improve efficiency um, and mitigate climate and transition risk. And this is something that we're seeing increasingly um, at the forefront of investors' minds. Um, and coming up on sort of uh, on, on shareholders' calls fairly frequently within the automotive and, and battery space, and 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 much broader as well. I think I'd add to that as well. When we're thinking about this from the public perception point of view as well, the question that we had at the start: Are internal combustion engine vehicles more or less polluting than electric vehicles? I don't want to buy an electric vehicle if I think it's it's not as it's not better for the environment than an internal combustion engine vehicle. And so, manufacturers are also listening to what the public says. Especially when at this point in time, they are more expensive. The cheapest electric vehicle you can get is still way more expensive than the cheapest internal combustion engine you can get. So you're paying a premium. You want to pay a premium for something that's going to hopefully achieve what you think in your mind you're trying to achieve, which is lower emissions. Just on that front, though, where... At the moment, that is that is true for most uh, for most vehicle segments. Um, the recent success of uh, models such as Tesla's Model Three, um, which came out uh, in the sort of uh, second half of twenty eighteen, um, have demonstrated that appetite for uh, for a more competitive, for a more sort of a uh, yeah, for a more competitive sort of a vehicle in consumers' minds. Um, and when when we look at battery technologies and battery prices going forward, actually on an upfront basis, we believe that um, you start seeing electric vehicles actually become more attractive and a lower cost option than uh, internal combustion engine vehicles, depending on country, depending on segment. But by by the mid, uh, well, early to mid 2020s, and so we're only a few years away from that description of uh, yours, just just no longer no longer being correct. So these batteries are getting cheaper and they're getting more range as well, which assumes then that the battery packs are getting a bit larger. Does that have a big impact on the emissions profile? So it will have an impact on the emissions profile. But I think if we're looking to the future, the other thing that we've got to bring up here, of course, is that actually grids around the world are getting greener. Their CO2 emissions per kilowatt hour of energy produced are falling. And so when you look at the use of an electric vehicle over, say, a 10-year lifetime, Actually, every time you charge it almost, the energy going into charging that battery is cleaner. And it's similar for manufacturing. As the batteries get bigger, again, the grids will have got greener and therefore the emissions associated with the battery and the vehicle will have fallen. By 2050, we expect wind and solar to make up 50% of total generation globally. And that's up from less than 10% or so today. And that just speaks to that change, uh, change that James has outlined. My question really revolves around recycling. Is it going to end up being cheaper or better or worse from an emission standpoint to actually look at these existing batteries and do something with them at the end of life? Or are they going to become power walls in our houses? 
So I think that's a really interesting question and the answer isn't clear. So recycling batteries clearly going to be vital in the future because we don't want to put them into landfills, but they might have a second life, as you point out. They may be used in your house beforehand, for example. And if you do that, if you use them in a second life application, you're spreading the emissions with manufacturing that battery over more years of use. So you're reducing the average per cycle energy use. I think the onus there is on companies that are developing second life uh, second life projects to prove that this really works in practice. In theory, this is a, this is a really nice idea, but at the moment we've yet to yet to see this um, deployed commercially. I, I think the other thing to add on that as well, when we look at recycling, one of the tricky things there is that actually the economics are heavily tied to the price of commodities when you're doing that recycling. So if cobalt or lithium is very cheap, then actually maybe it doesn't make sense to recycle that battery at that time. And so a second life application might be more beneficial. My question when I looked at the figure on your exact sum was, okay, so Poland has high grid emissions intensity, but do they really manufacture batteries there? Yeah, LG cam. Really? No, for for electric vehicles. For electric vehicles, because I hear LG and I hear phones. Okay, yeah. And individual consumer electronics. And actually, that's a, it's such an interesting overlap because I think you guys pointed out at a previous summit that there is this intersection between consumer electronics and our phones and our computers and then energy storage on the grid and then vehicles. So you have all of these really big companies who've got skin in the game on making this work. So they are really caring, A, about increasing the amount of supply and B, on decreasing the cost of the batteries. But are they playing a part in that, though, as well? Are they driving emissions down just by improving their manufacturing process? I think one of the things to point out here is that they are driving emissions down by improving their manufacturing process. But there's also the option for manufacturers that are perhaps located in areas with dirtier grids to use things like PPAs or on-site renewable generation to reduce their CO2 emissions. So let's say, hypothetically, you're sitting on a dirty grid and you're making this battery, but more of the supply is near you. So you don't have emissions as high associated from actually transporting things to you. Because I think you pointed out in here at one point that 7% of the emissions for batteries manufactured in China can just come from physically getting the raw materials to them. Are are we talking about a, a delta of enough that it would make sense to localize the manufacturing even on a dirty grid? Or is it better to be on a clean grid and then have to transport things to you? So I think there's a a couple of different questions and and points to make. Certainly the transportation emissions can be quite high, but it really depends what you're transporting. So in that example, we were looking at when companies transport what's called concentrates. So this is material that's been mined, but it hasn't been turned into a metal yet. And when you're transporting that material from, say, Australia to China or maybe somewhere in Africa to China, what you find is that concentrate only contains maybe 6% of the material you actually want and then 94% of material that you don't need. And so the emissions associated with transporting that can be quite high. But if you were to process that material on site, so using the example of Australia, if you were to mine ore in the ground and convert it to the lithium form that you'd need, such as lithium hydroxide, and transport that lithium hydroxide to China, actually those transportation emissions are going to be a lot lower than if you're transporting that concentrated material. Is policy going to play a factor in any of this? Policy has the potential to be incredibly important on on this front, where at the moment around three quarters of battery manufacturing capacity is located located in China. 
And what we expect to see and what we're beginning to see the, uh, the early signs of is battery manufacturing moving much closer to demand centers, such as here in Europe or in the United States. A big part of that is likely to be policy, where the European Commission and policymakers across the world are increasingly aware and concerned around life cycle emissions, not just tailpipe emissions. And they would like manufacturers to prove that they have acceptable life cycle emissions mm. to be able to participate in a market, um, because otherwise it would defeat the purpose. And so it's not unreasonable to expect that the European Commission or other policymakers will actually demand that manufacturers meet increasingly stringent life cycle emission standards in order to operate in a, in a market. And that could incentivize manufacturers to set up plants in Europe rather than, uh, rather than incur these additional sort of carbon costs mm -hmm. by having to import into, that, uh, into the trade block. I think that could be interesting as well when we're talking about manufacturing in Europe then, how the country or the region that you choose to manufacture in affects the price. If you're having to buy carbon credits to offset some of the emissions that you're producing. And on top of that as well, different countries within the region will have different electricity costs. So again, using the example of Sweden, because they have a lot of hydro there, electricity is quite cheap in comparison to somewhere like Poland or Germany where the costs are higher. So doing this study put you into a debate. I mean, it puts you in a discussion with academic groups, you know, and other organizations around the world. Usually when these groups do these studies, they'll do another one. So what's next for you guys in this line of research? I think the, the most important thing in terms, of, uh, in terms of this publication and what we found when we reviewed all the other literature was actually the lack of transparency was really holding, uh, holding back the, uh, the, 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 the dialogue. Now, what we have done here um, is we, we will be releasing the model over, over the next month or so. Because as we've talked about, there are so many different things that can change the ultimate emissions, whether it's the manufacturing process or the country of location or the technology. So by releasing the model uh, to, to our clients, we want to be able to let them make those decisions and I understand see. the sensitivity. And I think that, that's a big, that, that is a big shift to what we've seen so far in the literature. So the next step is to get the model out there, huh? Exactly. So James, uh, we, we better wrap up the podcast and send you back to your desk. <laughs> <laughs> James, Logan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much. Bloomberg NEF is a service provided by Bloomberg Finance LP and its affiliates. This recording does not constitute, nor should it be construed as, investment advice, investment recommendations, or a recommendation as to an investment or other strategy. Bloomberg NEF should not be considered as information sufficient upon which to base an investment decision. Neither Bloomberg Finance LP nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this recording, and any liability as a result of this recording is expressly disclaimed. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.